in regards to fitta'at, in the obedience of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Now he's teaching you, now he explained to you what ilm and hidayah is, and right, how you need ilm. At the same time, once you have that knowledge, you need a hidayah to come from the inner part of you to put that ilm into practice, right? Or yesterday we discussed what are the first things at the beginning of hidayah? What's the first thing you need? The outer taqwa. Yeah, bahirul taqwa, right? Outer taqwa, and then at, when you hide to, at the end, what else do you need? Inner taqwa. Inner taqwa. Those two things need to be there for you to have any benefit from your ilm, inshaAllah. So we're going to just quickly go over what we discussed in this uh, last time. So he's talking about fard, right? He's saying, That the commandments of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala are of two types. You have the obligatory, right? Faraid, and then you have your nawafil, which are your voluntary acts, right? So what do these do for somebody, right? These faraid acts, or these nafil acts, yeah. So the faraid is. The capital of which the salvation is attained, yeah. and then for nafil, it's what raises you in the ranks. In yes, the mashallah, very beautiful, mashallah. So he's <coughs> saying here that when you have your faraid, and a lot of questions, you know, you might have your peers or somebody like, if I pray my five salat times a lot, am I good? Right? Okay, you'll get najat, you'll get salvation, right? But at the same time, we don't want to settle for less. We always want the highest, highest rank in, eye, in, in the eyes of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. So that's what our nawafil are for. The, our voluntary acts and our supererogatory acts. Yeah, what's that brother? Uh, some brothers uh, that I met that are like, you know, Islam's supposed to be easy, we're just going to keep it, you know, chill. Yeah, you know, subhanahu that's very beautiful. A lot of people say adinu yusr, right? You guys probably heard that all the time. Adinu yusr wa laysa bila'ib. Understand this very well. The deen is easy, but it's not something to be played with. Don't ever play with the deen of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Right? Understand very well that we're not fooling Allah. Right? We think well, like we find a loophole or this and that. No, we're not fooling Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Allah knows who we are. Right? Right? What is who knows the translation? Who can translate this? Sayyam? He knows that what's hidden in the eyes. He knows what's hidden inside your chest as well. So if you think and you really have convinced yourself that I'm fooling Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, in reality you're fooling yourself. Right? So just remember that. So, and then he's saying here, Now the nawafil, what do they do about the uh, Rahman? What do the, what do the voluntary acts do? They raise you in the? In the ring. MashaAllah, good job. All right, in the ranks of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Right? This is what the nawafil do for us. If we want to get closer to Allah or establish a stronger connection with Allah, we need to pray our extra salawat. Right? And he mentioned a beautiful hadith here. He says, قَالَ رَسُولُ اللَّهِ صلى الله عليه وسلم, That he says, the Rasulullah Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says. So what is this known as, guys? Hadith Qudsi. Right? That he says here, those who draw near to me, Allah is speaking here. Those who draw near to me, do not draw near to me with anything better than the acts I have made obligatory upon them. Right? You want to get back to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala after leading a, a, a good amount of your life in misguidance? Start off with your faraid, right? Start off with your fard prayers because this is the most important thing. This is the first thing that's going to be asked on Yom Qiyamah, right? What is it? What's going to be asked first? Your fard prayers. Yes, your salah, right? If anything is messed up with your prayer, everything after that is going to go wrong as well. So the first, first thing we need to do after our iman is our what? Salah. And obviously we hear this in our articles of faith. Who knows the articles of faith here? 
Yes, yeah. Uh, Alhamdulillahi wa malaikatihi wa kutubihi wa rasulihi wa liyawm al-akhri wa qadri khayrihi wa shurrihi min Allahi ta'ala wa al-ba'si ba'da al-mawt. Yes, good, mashallah. So first, what does he mention first? Amantu billah. That make sure your iman is strong with Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala as well as the rest of the things that he mentioned in the articles of faith. And then when Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam, when Jibreel alayhi sallam came to him in the hadith of Jibreel, what's the first question he asked him? What is Islam? Mal Islam. And what did he say? And tashhad Allah ilaha illallah. And that's a prerequisite, right? That you bear witness that there is no God except Allah. Wa anna Muhammad Rasulullah. And that Muhammad sallallahu alayhi wa sallam is his messenger. And then right after that, what does he mention? Which one? Iman or salah? Iman. Iman. Ah. Iman. 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 I'm not talking about the next question. I'm talking about the next part of the hadith. And that you pray your salah. Right? Because that is the connection we have between Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. What is the time that a servant of Allah is most close to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala? In sujood. Right? When we are bowing our head down to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, right, we are showing complete submission. Islam means what? To submit to the will of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Right? To submit. Remember how Mufti, Sahib, Mufti Yusuf you mentioned very beautifully, right? You have your Islam, now you have submitted, or when you start working somewhere, right? You, are, you have understood, okay, I have to work here. And then what did he mention after that? What the is the Iman? Huh? No, the, well, he said the mission statement of the business. The mission statement. Now you understand, okay. But now what is the other part? Iman is to have full oh, belief in the system, right? right. right? That I work here, and I'm going to make sure I do the best job. That's for having full belief in the system, right? So that is very, very important for us. Uh, to get close to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. We have now submitted to Allah, right? And that you pray salah, right? And now you bring that, that's what strengthens your faith. Because that's the next question he asked, right? So now when your salah and your zakah, your salam, your hajj is all very strong, now your iman is going to start to build in quality as well, right? The quality of your iman is going to start to raise and become better and better and better. Now he mentions, and then uh, my Abd, right, my servant, he continuously makes, uh, this conti- continues to pray this nawafil hatta uhibbahu. He continuously engages himself in these supererogatory or voluntary acts hatta uhibbahu until I start to love him, right? فَإِذَا أَحْبَبْتُهُ Now when I love my servant, كُنْتُ سَمِعْهُ الَّذِي يَسْمَعُ بِهِ Right, what does that mean? For those people that are here, I become the hearing that which he hears with. Right? right, and I become his eyesight, the thing that he sees with. But uh, anybody wants to explain this? Abdul Rahman, you want to try to explain this? Like, how, what does Allah mean here? That, uh, when he's saying that I become the hearing that he hears with. It's like Allah takes over our body. Like, we don't have any free will anymore. No. Uh-huh. No? Oh, okay. Uh, who else? Samir, you want to give it a try? Oh, the <laughs> I didn't call the brother, I called you. <laughs> I'm just kidding. No problem, inshallah. Try, try your best, it's no problem. No. Close to Allah, you start to dislike the things that are haram, like like listening to something that's haram. Just yes, very good, very, very good, mashallah. See, that's that's a beautiful answer that I was looking for. That when now you have gotten close to Allah, that you have established that connection and that love for Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, now you he's Right? And I'm not expecting anybody here that even if you listen to music, Islam is not to tell, like tell people to point fingers. If somebody has a problem with music, slowly, slowly try to stop it, right? Because I don't, you know, you can't become a saint overnight. It's impossible. It's not going to happen, right? And then after that, he says, And he becomes the eyesight that you see that whatever Allah does not like you to look at, Allah wants you to look at, you look at that. 
Right? And then same thing. Allah becomes a tongue which you speak with. Right? You will not tell, you will not backbite. You will not say bad words. You will not you will not curse anybody. You will not, you know, hurt the rights of any of your Muslim brothers. And then the last thing, right? He becomes the hand that you spread out with, and he becomes the feet that you walk with. Right? And now, now we're gonna continue on, inshaAllah, with where we left off about two days ago. Right? Now what did he say yesterday about muraqaba? Uh, what is muraqaba? Anybody remember what muraqaba is? Muraqaba. Right? To monitor. Monitor your actions, monitor your heart. What is, what is that famous statement of Imam Ghazali that I mentioned yesterday? Become the what of your heart? King. Become the king of your heart. Right? Don't let your heart control you because our heart is so, you know, intoxicated by our nafs and the influence of our nafs, right, and our carnal desires that we make sure we become the king of our hearts. Right? The king of our hearts, inshaAllah. So, now he's going to say here, فَعْلَمْ Right? Understand very well. Right? Again, I told you before, we're not fooling Allah. He says, Know that Allah is closely observing your innermost heart. Right? Your innermost heart. What does that mean, innermost heart? Remember I told you the heart is of two types? You have your you have your physical heart and then you have your, your spiritual heart, right? Our physical heart, we're not going to see that blackness on it if we open it up on an MRI, right? I go to the doctor, man, I, the sheikh told me there's like a black dot on my heart. I need to make sure I figure out how to get rid of it, right? No, right? This is your spiritual heart, right? That what is my connection with Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, right? He says, وَمُشْرِفُنَ عَلَىٰ ظَاهِرِكَ Not only that, yeah, same thing. Uh, uh, he beholds your inner and outer being, and then he says, right, He just continued going. Right, he says so much here. He says, Know that Allah is uh, the Most High, is closely observing your innermost heart. He holds your inner and outer being. No thought, no moment. Or step uh, uh, of yours escapes his regard. What does Allah mention in the Holy Quran? Now wherever you are, the knowledge of Allah is with you. The knowledge of Allah is with you. Allah, is Allah physically with us? Right? That's a good question, right? I know Samir is like, oh man, shit. It's a red flag. Right? <laughs> is Allah physically with us when he says that? No. No? So what does it mean then? Allah's Right? Right? I remember sometimes somebody came and asked me a question. They're like, you know, Sheikh, Allah says He's with us everywhere. Is He in the bathroom with us too? Like, come on, man. Now, Allah's knowledge is with you, yes. At the same time, Allah is physically not going to be there with you, of course. But Allah's knowledge is surrounded. Because Allah is, exists outside of, out of, out of time, space, and all this stuff. We cannot hold and restrict Allah to a certain time. You know the, the question, the big question of where is Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala? Right? Where is Allah? Can anybody answer this? Where is Allah? But now if you say that, right? Above uh, everything. Above everything? No. But are we, are, that means we're still restricting Allah to a space, right? Because... No. When we, Allah, Allah is above everything. Allah is free from the creation. He's, he's above everything. Above his arsh, above everything. So what does that mean? Though? So that means he's somewhere. He's, beyond he's above, he's beyond. Like, you can't the, question, the question in itself... You can't ask. The question in itself is a misconception. There's a pro- problem in the question. When we say, where is Allah? We cannot say, where is, because where is a physical place. 
Right? Where is a physical place? In Allah, He exists out of time and space and all these things. Right? So if we say straight up, if we say Ar-Rahman al-Ashrasullah, like uh, what Allah mentioned, are we telling, saying that Allah is istiwa al-Arsh? Is that what we're saying here? Allah is, you know, making istiwa upon the Arsh and He's just, you know, that's also making a physical place to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Right? That is also, I'll give you another example. Right? A beautiful example. He says, the hand of Allah is on Jama'ah. So, what is the hand of Allah? Right? Hand of Allah. Good question, right? Anybody want to elaborate? You can't understand it. You cannot understand it. The Arabic word I want you guys to focus here is tafwil. Tafwil. To basically, it's up to Allah. Allah knows best what His hand is like. Right? Allah knows whatever His best is. Allah, we, we, we believe and we have the aqidah that Allah has a hand. But however his hand is, Allah knows best. That is the, that is the definition of tafwil, right? To leave it up to Allah, to leave your affair up to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Don't delve on it too much, you know? There is a beautiful statement, it says, تَفَكَّرُوا فِي آلَىٰ إِلَّا That ponder over the tools and the, and the benefits Allah has given us. Ala is a tool. وَلَا تَتَفَكَّرُوا فِي اللَّهِ do not ponder or reflect in Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Now if we start thinking, where is Allah? Or how big Allah is, right? We'll not be able to, our minds cannot, uh, it cannot, we don't, we don't have the capability of even thinking about that. Our mind is completely, it's not, we can't make sense of it, right? Uh, what is that one beautiful statement? I forgot. كُلُّ مَا خَطَرَ بِبَالِكَ فَاللَّهُ بِخِلَافِ ذَلِكَ Anything that you can imagine Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala to be, Allah is completely opposite of that. If we think Allah is Allah bigger than Mount Everest, no. <laughs> That's just, our mind cannot go. Once we reach that blank point in our mind, okay, we reach this, it becomes like a blank space. That's where Allah is. Uh, we're mind, our mind can't go there. Right? It's just wherever Allah is, Allah knows best. We don't ever say where is Allah because that's uh, restricting to space and time. So where is Allah? What is it, Mother Do we say, when we say where is Allah? We can't say where is Allah. It's like, for example, sanction. Yeah, the question is inappropriate. Fallacy. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. It's like, can Allah beat himself in an arm wrestling match? What? Right? Yeah. Doesn't make sense, right? This, it just, there's a problem in the question itself. Or can Allah create an, a rock he can't destroy? Yeah. yeah. Can Allah create a rock he can't destroy? That's the problem in the question himself. In, in itself. So these are some of the things that he's mentioning here. Uh, I don't even actually know how it got there. It's just, what's it called? Anyway, so. Yeah, anyway, so no thought, moment, or step of yours escapes his regard, nor any of your, of your moments or stillness or movement. Uh, both in the company of others and in the solitude of yourself, you are ever in his presence. Right? In both hidden and manif- uh, manifest dominions, nothing that is still is still, and nothing that moves, moves, but the compeller of the heavens and the earth is aware. SubhanAllah, look how, look how beautifully he put that, right? Nothing moves. The thing, the thing that moves cannot move. And nothing, that, something that stays still cannot stay still except that Allah knows about it. Right? That is the ilm of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Eternal knowledge of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Nothing happens without the decree of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Right? Everything takes place with the qadr of Allah. Right? And then that's also mentioned in the Articles of Faith. Right? Right? That the qadr, the divine decree of Allah, whether it's good or bad, is from Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Right? inshallah. And that's also very beautiful as well because, you know, a lot of times we have a problem whenever we're going through something in life, we like to blame Allah. Like, man, Allah is doing this to me. Like, why? Right? This is the qadr of Allah. You know, there's a hadith that talks about uh, Musa alayhi salam. And one time he was complaining. Like, he's always, because of, because of Adam alayhi salam, we're here. 
right? And we have all these problems, right? He, he bit from the, from the fruit and now we're here. And the Ma'adva'i salam, he had a conversation with Musa alayhi salam. He said, look, this is Allah's plan. This was, it's not something I could, this is Allah's Allah's plan. So what are we supposed to do? And because of that, inshallah, you guys can look at the hadith inshallah later. I forgot what reference it is, but inshallah, you can look it up inshallah. Actually, I'll bring it for you tomorrow. Yeah, I'll bring it for you tomorrow. Khayy, inshallah. Let's go back. So he says, he knows the treachery of the eyes and what is concealed in the breasts, right? And then he says, He knows the secret and what is still more hidden than, than that secret. Allah knows the secrets of the secret, right? That is Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. So if we really convinced ourselves that we're going to get away from Allah by hiding our sins, right? Hiding from Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, thinking we're hiding from Allah when Allah is watching us, we are literally, this is the, we're deceiving ourselves, right? So one thing is very important, how he's mentioned here, that um, always monitor yourself, that even when you're alone, because that's the biggest test of a person when he's by himself, right? To commit actions. What is that famous poem of Imam Ahmed I mentioned yesterday? Anybody remember it? Yeah, it was like something like, Good job, you hid your sin from right. Yeah, so, hand, yeah, right? exactly. I'm gonna mention it one more time, so everybody. So he says, When my Lord will say to me, right? When my Lord is going to say to me on the, when I pass away, Did you not feel any shyness from disobeying me? Have you had no shame, right? That you hid the sin from my creation. Good job, alhamdulillah. But you brought the sin to me regardless. That it's not hidden from me at the end of the day. I know what you're doing. Allah is saying that. Right? Same thing, He knows the treachery of our eyes. And what is hidden inside our chest. Right? Even those thoughts that we have. Right? I was mentioning, inshallah, I wanted to mention this today, but I don't remember all the, that. Even our thoughts in our mind, these khawatir, right? these different, different minds. Uh, like, you know how Mufti Sam mentioned our mind is like a highway. Right? And we have so many different thoughts. And the Sahaba had these thoughts as well. Right? Do we get sins for these thoughts? No. Right? We don't get sin for these thoughts. Unless we actually act upon it. Then Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala will give you one sin. Not only that. What does the hadith talk about? Uh, what is the Quranic ayah? They mention, Man ja'a bil hasnati falahu ashru amthaliya. You do a good deed, Allah is going to multiply it by ten. Another hadith mentions that, Man qara'a harfa min kitabillah falahu hasana. He gets one hasana. And that obviously what happens, wal hasnatu bi ashri amthaliha. Right? And then he says, wala aqulu alif la mim, you know, he's not saying that alif la mim, is uh, what's it called? One word. He's saying, "Walakin alif harfun." Uh, the alif is one harf. Walam harf. The lam is one harf. And mim harf. Now, now let's think. You say alif lam mim, right? You say the word alif lam mim, and now you put it into Allah multiplies everything by ten times. So that's it. What is alif? Is how many good deeds you get? And then you multiply that by ten as well. What is, what do you get then? Huh? Hundred. And then after that, you get lam. And then mim. So how much you get? Subhanallah, right? Just for saying Alif Lam Subhanallah. It's just, just, just a small word or not like three letters in the Quran, you're getting so much reward from Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Right? Khay inshaAllah. Uh, right, let's go back here. Any questions? Anybody? Yeah. So the Muthi was talking about yesterday about like there's like thoughts and there's also like where the thoughts become like dangerous, like mm-hmm. yeah, fantasies. Yeah. Is that in itself like also like a sin? No. Not because you still won't get. I remember until you act upon it, there is, there is khawatir. These are the things called khawatir. There is like hadith and nafs. Hadith and nafs is something where like you're you're not sure if you want to carry out that action or not. You still haven't got to that point yet, but you you're like you're kind of you're in the middle. Yeah, but yeah. What's up, Adama? Well, basically, he said. I don't know if this is true. I remember hearing this one time. Is that 
like when you think of a sin and uh, like you have you you know you're fighting the intention to do that sin like that's 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 a good deed itself like you avoiding the sin like they like he said, like you have, yeah. like, you know what I mean? Like you, yeah. have, like you have the bad deed in your head, the bad, like you're about to sin. Yeah. And then you try to avoid this, and you do something to avoid it. Like you do, isn't that a good deed itself? Yes, that is a good deed itself. Mashallah. As a very beautiful. Actually, somebody posted something in the group chat yeah. yesterday about about that hadith. I forgot who it was, but yeah. Uh, sorry, one second. Who had, you were first, right? Yeah. Bismillah. Yeah. Um, another thing was you were talking about Allah being a witness to our, like you know, bad deeds, right? Mm-hmm. But I don't know if it's in the hadith or the or like an eye in the Quran, but. Um, even if we hide like our bad deeds, Allah, I think there's something that says that even though Allah is a witness, or if you like, even if you do sin and you don't make it public, you know, even if you did sin privately or something like that, and then Allah won't be a witness to those private deeds or something. Like Allah Subhanahu wa Taala will try our try. It will do His best to conceal our deeds, right? The problem is, insan, you know what happens with us? We like to brag about our deeds. I, you know, yo, you know where I went last night, bro? <laughs> Shoot. Right? I went to Zaki's. Zaki's closed now. Well, I'm saying, <laughs> <laughs> right? well, I'm saying, I went to Zaki's. I had a good time. Right? We chilled, smoked some hookah. Right? We like to expose our sins. Right? Allah is concealing our sins for us. Yet we go out and tell the whole world what we do. Right? Yeah, I was with the shorty last night. All these different types of things. We, and then Allah's like, like, seriously? I'm over here trying to help you out here. I'm concealing your sins. And yet you're going ahead and exposing yourself. So this is something that we do. When, whenever we commit a sin, we should feel bad in ourselves. We should have this uh, nadama. Nadama is having this remorse that I committed a sin. Now go and brag about it to the whole dunya, right? Don't be like, yeah, alhamdulillah, this is what I did. Yeah, I had a good time last night, and that's it. No, because now Allah, now you expose yourself. That's a sin itself, though, right? Yes, expo- yeah, you like, say, to expose yourself? To expose, yeah, when, uh, to brag about your bad deeds. Yourself, of course, of course, yeah. Because Allah, like I said, Allah is trying his best to cover your sin up, right? Oh. And not only that, this is very important as well, that if the brother himself is not saying something, but his homie is with him, Alright? And they'll be like, yo. Like, he himself is trying to cover the sin, but his homies with him, like, yo, do you know what we went last night, bro? You know what we did? Right? And then, subhanAllah, whosoever covers the, and conceals the fault of a Muslim, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala will conceal his faults on Yom Qiyam. So, whatever we do, we make sure, inshallah, we keep it to ourselves. If something bad, we may, it's between us and Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Don't ever let it become such where we start to go out in public and talk about our sins. Yeah. What's up, man? What happens when one exposes someone else's sin? What happens when somebody exposes? Allah will expose you. Now, I forgot to mention that uh, the second part of the hadith. Whosoever exposes his sins, brother, Allah will expose your sins on Yom Qiyamah to everybody. Right? Allah will expose your sins to the people on Yom Qiyamah. And do we want that? Of course not. We don't want that. We don't, we don't want that to happen. Yeah. Uh, what happens? Because I do know sometimes, like, let's say you're having a conversation in terms of maybe trusting someone, and let's say you know that other person. You guys are trying to explain or try because I heard I went to like the marriage of MSA thing George Mason and they were talking about how like someone comes to you advice for like how a certain partner is and how they act and stuff like whether you recommend they would be yeah a so for nikah for nikah that's yeah, fine it's not it's not because like, this person has to live with this person for the rest of their life right yeah. so that even when someone's asked that question it's like this is not backbiting this is getting a you know a professional opinion to see if I should spend the rest of my life with that person for nikah is different. Or for something else, we should try to, our best to stay away from that type of, you know. Like, you know, the biggest thing that's thrown around, you know, make sure you don't tell nobody. 
I guarantee you, the person you're saying that to, it's gonna go to the next person, right? It's gonna go to the next person. Like, you know, you're like, hey, bro, please, like, do me a favor, don't tell nobody. And then he's like, oh, no, I just told this one guy, right? I just told this one person, don't worry, right? And that's just how it begins. It just keeps on going and going and going. And that's, that's how it happens. So try your best whenever you commit a sin or whenever you do something wrong, knowing yourself that I commit a wrong and it's between me and Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. And I've, if I seek the forgiveness of Allah, Allah will forgive me, right? We have to believe in our, in our hearts ourselves that Allah truly forgives us. Right? We can't just be like, oh, you know, is Allah going to forgive me? Because now this is the having uh, a bad thought about Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, right? Your hadith al-Qudsi mentions, uh, mentions Ana abdi bi. I am what my slave perceives of me. Now, if we perceive Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala to, you know, that Allah is not forgiving me, maybe Allah doesn't like me, maybe Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, you know, then Allah, of course Allah is going to feel the same way. You ha- you're going to have that same, uh, you're gonna have that same uh, energy reciprocated, right? You're going to have that same energy from Allah's side. But if we know in our hearts Allah, is going to, Allah has forgiven me, or Allah is going to forgive me, then of course Allah subhanahu is going to forgive me. So whenever we make, uh, make uh, istighfar, know this, Allah is going to forgive you. Don't ever lose hope in Allah. Inshallah, let's continue. Uh, okay. Yeah, okay. So he says here, فَتَأَدَّبْ أَيُّهَا الْمِسْكِينَ ظَاهِرًا وَبَاطِنًا بَيْنَ يَدِ اللَّهِ تَعَالَى تَأَدُّبَ الْعَبْدِ الدَّلِيلَ الْمُذْنِبِ فِي حَضْرَةِ الْجَبَّارِ الْقَهَّارِ He says, therefore, oh, oh destitute one. Again, humbling us, right? Oh, destitute. Right? أَيُّهَا الْمِسْكِينَ one, What is a miskin? How do we describe a miskin? Somebody who has nothing. Absolutely nothing. Muflis. Yeah. Huh? Yeah. Muflis. Yeah. Muflis. Yeah. You have you have miskin and you have faqir, right? In, in the Arabic language, you have faqir. A faqir is somebody who has still a little bit of something. A miskin, you have nothing. And he's telling us, "Ayu al miskin." Oh, people, you know, you you have nothing, bro. Don't worry. Just be be humble, right? Ayu al miskin. Dahiran wa baatinan bainadillah taala. Cultivate a deep courtesy with the divine. Uh, with the divine. Who's the divine? In your uh, in your <coughs> outer self, as well as in your inner self, the courtesy and bearing of uh, 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 bearing of a, hum- a humble erring slave in the presence of his supreme all powerful master. And he says here, Wajtahid Allah and do your best to make sure that Allah does not. Uh, he said, yeah, yeah. May, uh, make your greatest effort that he fi- not, not, that he does not find you present where he has forbidden you to be, right? Don't ever put yourself in that situation where Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is telling you not to do something and you're doing it, right? That's what he's reminding us here. For all students of knowledge, uh, we're sitting here. Make sure you don't put yourself in that situation. Because once we put ourselves in this situation, it's our own fault. We can't start pointing fingers at other people that I'm here because of this, I'm here because of that. Islam teaches us, and this is a very beautiful hadith of Rasulullah sallallahu He mentions that from the excellence of a person's Islam is that he does not get involved in those things which do not concern him. And this is what everybody does. Right? We always get involved in other people's actions. Like, oh, look, you know, or if, if, it's, if we've done something wrong, we start to point fingers at other people. That I'm here because of her, or I'm here because of him, or because of this, or because of that reason. Right? Point a finger at yourself. Right? We are the problem. Right? The problem is not other people. And because on the day of Qiyamah, we're not going to be standing with other people. What does the ayat mention in the Holy Quran in Surah Abbas? On that day, you will see a person running away from his brother. In another ayah, what is the surah, surah Al-Hajj? يَوْمَ تَرَوْنَهَا تَذْهَلُ كُلُّ مُرْضِعَةٍ أَمَّا أَرْضَعَةٍ That you will see on that day that a woman who is breastfeeding her child will, will abandon her child. Can you imagine something like that? Like in, in the actual dunya, how scary of a, a sight that is. Right? That imagine you see a mother, out of the fear she throws her baby where she abandons her. وَتَرَوْنْ نَاسَ سُكَارًا You will see on the day of Qiyamah, people are going to be, they're going to look as if they're drunk. 
They're going to look, وَمَاهُمْ بِسُكَارَةٍ They're not going to be drunk. وَلَكِنَّ عَذَابُ اللَّهِ شَدِيدٌ Rather, the, the punishment of Allah is very, very severe. And that's how they're, they're going to be so, they're going to have this paralysis. And they're going to look so drunk that they're not going to be able to know what to do. Yeah, what's up, man? You have a question? No. Oh, okay, yeah. So this is going to be the state on Yom Al-Qiyamah. And then on top of that, وَأُمِّهِ وَأَبِيهِ Who else is going to be running away from you? Your mother and your father. Not only وَصَاحِبَتِهِ وَبَنِي His wife, the one who is closest to you. وَبَنِي And his children. SubhanAllah. This is, the, this is going to be the affair on Yom Al-Qiyamah. And yet we like to point fingers at other people. Because on that day of judgment, those people are not going to be with us. It's going to be us in Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. So start pointing a finger at yourself. Yeah, uh, sorry, I think he, Samir was first. Inshallah, what's up, Samir? You can finish the last. It's okay, inshallah. We'll, we'll, we'll finish it. No, inshallah. So, that verse about in Surah Abbasah, it talks about like the people running from each other, the family, and the, the mother and the son. Um, for the believers, we know there's many benefits. Like they're going to be shaded, you know, et cetera, et cetera. So, now this brings us fear, you know, we're like, okay, we're going like, to be raised on Yom Al-Qiyamah. Now, us we, us, we cannot bear any punishment. So, what about when you're raised right away? You don't, the Qiyamah hasn't started. It's people are running around, mm-hmm. and the sun is too close. Yeah. Is this where the shade is brought already? Like, as soon as you come out, and you don't have to go through the So, are you resurrected in the shade of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala? Yeah, so, because you know how we fear Adab. We don't want Adab. Like, yeah. we just can't bear it. So, if we come on Yom Al-Qiyamah, and we're raised out of our graves, are we going to be... So you think, be, oh, I see. I know what you're asking. Right away so we don't have to go through that stuff? Yes. Oh, okay, I see what you're saying. Yeah. So, the, uh, what's it called? Um, the hadith that Prophet mentioned, right? That he talks about those groups of seven people, right? And that those seven people are going to be on the shared throne. Most likely, you're going to be resurrected under the shared throne of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. It's not that there's going to be a line waiting. Okay, the shared throne is this way, right? <laughs> All right, everybody line up. No, it's not going to be like that. But inshallah, I'll, I'll find, I'll find a, a better reference for you, inshallah, for sure. And then, anyway, uh, who else had a question? Abdullah, you had a question? Uh, you were mentioning Surah Abbasa, where uh, people, like, even the, their parents were run away from them. But are, are the believers, like the, the ones that had good friendships, will they be like, Together, they won't be running away from each other. Like they will always be like with each other. Yeah. So that's a hadith I mentioned. Al maru ma'a man Right. The man will be with whom he loves. Right. So if we truly love our scholars and our ulama and the Prophet sallallahu and the Anbiya alaihissalam, we inshallah Allah will resurrect us amongst them. Right. This is talking about how the the um, what's it called? How qiyama? How it's going to affect the people? Right. How everyone's going to be so scared. Imagine. Right. I'll give you a prime example. Imagine you're in like a very very deep sleep. Right. And you hear a loud bang, right? It's like, like it's, it scares the hell out of you. It's like, yo, what, what just happened, right? And I imagine you're dead for so many years. I know you're 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 alive again, and you're in front of Allah Subhanahu Wa Taala, right? And now it's just like everyone's like, what happened? They're gonna be so scared on that day. And then you know, obviously, this is talking more about the disbelievers and people like that that, that they're gonna be running away from from each other. I just on myself. I'm worried about myself. But who's the one person that's gonna be worried about everybody else? Muhammad sallallahu alayhi wa sallam He is going to be worried about everybody else Khair inshallah So he says وَلَن تَقْدِرَ عَلَى ذَلِكَ إِلَّا بِأَن تُوَزِّعَ أَوْقَاتَكَ وَتُرَتِّبَ أَوْرَادَكَ مِنْ صَبَاحِكَ إِلَى مَسَاحِكَ You will never be capable of this right? Meaning to stay away from a place where Allah has forbidden you to be right? You will never be capable of this Unless you manage your time and organize your routine of worship from morning to night So pay attention 
Right? He says, فَأَصْغِ إِلَى مَا يُلْقَى إِلَيْكَ مِنْ أَوَامِلِ اللَّهِ تَعَالَى عَلَيْكَ مِنْ حِينَ تَسْتَيْقِذْ مِنْ مَنَامِكَ إِلَى وَقْتِ رُجُعِكَ إِلَى مَلْجَعِكَ He says, so pay attention to what is presented to you here. Concern the commands of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Concern the commands that Allah most high has laid upon you from the time you awake from your sleep until the time you return to your bed. Right? And this is the concluding line he mentions here in the chapter regarding the obedience of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Right? So all these things, now we understand what obedience is. Right? What are the few, some of, I'm going to ask you again, what are the few things he mentioned from the beginning of the chapter? So, some of the few things, inshallah. I'll ask one by one. So, uh, Samir, you want to mention something? Amongst what are, like, what is yeah, just mention, <coughs> mention a few things, inshallah. Worship? Yeah, like how, what's it called? When he talks about the, um, the following the commands of Allah, actually properly following them. Right? He mentions, first off, he said there's following the commands of Allah of two types. Which are those two types? I don't remember the Arabic, but I think it was like, um, There's fault obligatory and then in nawafil. Fault in nawafil, right? Uh, let's see. Who am I gonna choose? Ah, it's my. What does the faraid in nawafil do? Uh, so the faraid he gave the example of the the fard being the the capital gain, and then mm-hmm. the the nawafil being the uh, the profit. The profit, yes, mashallah. So, so the profit uh, raises you in rank. And then the capital is, is Yes, mashallah. Very, very good. And now here. And then what is that? What is, a, again, I'm going to ask you, what is muraqaba? Monitor. Monitor in what sense? Monitor. Monitor your heart. Is that just monitoring your heart or other things as well? Monitoring your eyesight. Yes, every single thing, right? Every single step of the day, you monitor yourself in your relationship with Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Like tazkiyah, right? Yeah, tazkiyah, right? But Allah says what? Don't try to do tazkiyah of yourself. Right? If we are so far gone from the religion of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, right? And this is a case for a lot of people, right? How do we get back? We surround ourselves amongst the awliya of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. We surround ourselves amongst people who are, uh, with, who are connected to Allah. You know the famous story of the person who killed 100 people. What happened to him? Yeah. So what? What? So what? What was that? So he went to a monk first, right? He went to a monk first. What did that monk tell him? There's no salvation for you. So he's like, all right, I might as well kill you too, right? So he killed him, right? It was a wrap for that guy. And then after that, he went to a scholar, an alim, a person who is knowledgeable about the knowledgeable about the deen of Allah. And then what did the alim say to him? Yeah. What is standing between you and Allah and Toba, right? And then what did he advise him? He said. Yeah. Have remorse and go far from and then he place. said, yeah, leave this area and go to the, that place which are, that, that certain area has a bunch of yeah. people who are close to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Your surroundings matter a lot, right? When it comes to learning the deen of Allah, your surrounding matters very, very much. Because once, let's say we sit here and we go, we, we, we uh, hang out with other people. And I'm not saying, you know, don't, don't like, you know, drop your friends or stuff like that. But there's a very beautiful hadith of Prophet that mentions, Al-Mar'u ala deeni khalili. That a person, he is on the deen, in the religion of his friends. So look and analyze who you make friends with. Right? Uh, the, what, you, what you just referred to about the, the man who killed 100 people, was that at the time of the Tabahin? This is way before the time of Prophet oh, this is The scholars mentioned this is probably around the time Musa Musa a little before. Yeah, so this is, this is what happened to him. Is this referenced in the Quran? This is in the Hadith. This is actually mentioned in Bukhari and Muslim, I believe. Oh, okay. yeah. So, yeah. 
Inshallah, I'll send the hadith to you so you can read it for yourself. Yeah, it's a very beautiful hadith. And then, subhanAllah, what happened to that guy? He only had the intention to make tawbah, right? He didn't, like, he didn't even make tawbah yet. He just had the intention to go seek the repentance of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Right? And what happens is the angel of death now came to him. And the two malaika, you have the malaika, the, the angels of mercy, and the angel of uh, adab and punishment, now they have descended upon this person. Now they're having an argument. Uh, look, this guy killed a hundred people. Pretty valid argument, right? He killed a hundred people. How are we going to let him go with you? Right? There's no way. And the malaika to Rahman say, no, this guy, he, went and t- he intended to go to make tawbah to that land. And so another angel came and he became the mediator between the two. Then he became the mediator. And then he said, okay, whatever land he's closer to, that's going to be his fate. And Allah made it such to where Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, he was next to that, he was close to that land by one hand span. One hand span he was close to that. And another, another narration mentioned that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala made the land such, Allah stretched out the land to where he was automatically closer to the land of Tawbah, right? That's that first step we take back to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, right? Remember I talked about it? That whosoever comes to me walking, I will come to him running. Allah is just waiting for us to make that first step back to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, right? And it's easier said than done, but once we do that, once we figure out, remember the first thing I said, that what's the first thing you need in order to change your life? We talked about it yesterday, Brother Ra asked the question, what's the first thing you need to do? Acceptance. That I made a mistake, I'm committing mistakes in life. Right? That's the first thing you need to do. Accept that you are doing a wrong, that you are committing an evil against Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. And then after that, you look, uh, you look for that tazkiyah. And you look, well, where can I surround myself around people like this? Because the hadith talked about, remember I said earlier, that a person is on the deen and uh, religion of his friends. If we have bad friends, right? Alhamdulillah, we have all good friends here that motivate us to come to the masjid and, uh, and to worship Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, to stand in qiyam and all these different kinds of things. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala loves that. Right? Allah loves and cherishes that. Even to us, it's something insignificant. There's a very beautiful statement. I forgot about which Sahabi, but he said, don't deem your actions that you do for Allah to be small. Don't deem the actions that you do for Allah to be small. And he said, Indeed, these mountains that you see around you, they are made from pebbles. So how can somebody try to explain that to me? Small things make big things. Small things make big things, right? If you have, what is, what is a mountain in reality? A bunch of pebbles put together, right? Or have you ever played Legos before? When you were younger, I was very small. What happens? You just have your Legos, and then once you start to put them together, they become very big. They become the thing you're trying to make it to become. So that's what he's saying here. These actions, even if you're doing something small, it matters to Allah. The most beloved actions to Allah, even if they are small actions, but they're perpetual, Allah loves those the most. If you have a habit of you know, reading one page of Quran a day, it's okay. Right? Allah loves that action. At least we're doing something. Right? Don't ever focus on, oh, look, he's not doing anything in the of Allah. We don't know that for sure. Or, if I, oh, I'm not doing much. If we're doing something, just by you guys coming to this class, right? Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala loves this. Allah loves this act of ours. Yeah, what's up, man? Can you mention the oh, in al-jibala what? In al-jibala min al-hasa. Indeed, these mountains that you see, they are made from pebbles mm-hmm. and stones, right? right inshallah. So, it's ha And then, yeah. Yeah, at the end. Yeah, so this is what... Will you back out, inshallah? Yeah, I got it. Yeah, you got a long way back home. Jazakallah khair for coming. May Allah reward you. Right? So, anyway, getting back. Let's let's ask some more questions here. Right? I don't want I want this to be a class. I just keep talking all the time. boring you guys. Khair, inshallah. So, now he says here... What is that ayah that I mentioned? Who can translate? Ya'limu khainat al-a'ini wa ma tukhfi sudur. Who can translate that? You want to try it? 
يعلم خائنة الأعين وما تخفي الصدور يعلم خائنة الأعين ويجعل
He made it such that there's a hadith of Prophet that the whole body of Banu Adam, uh, it's, it obviously basically deteriorates in the grave, right? Except one bone, and that is the tailbone. And that is the seed that the people on Yom Qiyamah are going to be sprung up, sprung up from. So that one it indicates towards that we're going to be in our physical bodies. It's just going to be so enhanced because remember Mufti Yusuf is saying our eyes cannot, dece- cannot perceive what the Akhirah is like. Our eyes are limited to so much we can only see certain colors. Right? In the Qiyamah it's going to be different. On, when we're in front of Allah when it's time for us to be resurrected it's going to be completely different. Right? It's mentioned about even Jahannam which is very very scary. That Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is going to give, uh, make the people so big that one tooth of theirs is going to be the size of Mount Uhud. And why is that? Why is Allah making it so big? Yeah. Your, thin, your, your skin is going to be so thick that Allah is just going to let you burn and burn and then that's it. You die, come back again. Burn and burn and burn and burn. Right, so Allah is capable of all these things. We need to understand what Allah is capable of. Actually, we can't even understand. Allah is capable of everything. Right? Allah is qadir ala kulli shay. Allah is capable of doing anything. But inshallah, we're going to skip to the second half of the book. Because it talks about this is, this is all about fiqh, right? Wait, what is fiqh? Like ju- juristic rulings and stuff like that. So we don't want to do all that. We want, we want to, it's the juicy stuff, mashallah, right? We all want the good stuff. So we're going to start off with, he says here, Al-Qawlu fi ijtinab al-ma'asi. This is on refraining from disobedience. So now we talked about, di- uh, obi- huh? Oh, this is page 91 in the book. Page 91. Refraining on refraining from disobedience. So now he taught us how to obey Allah. Now he's telling us how to refrain from the disobedience of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Okay. By the way, the first, I don't know, 100 pages, do you think we can just read it on our own and understand it? Well, yeah, I mean, inshallah, uh, we'll go over it. I just okay. want to go over the second half first because this is more of like a spiritual like boost. Okay. Right? It, it boosts us spiritually, inshallah. Yeah. yeah. So obviously we want to do that first before we get into like, oh, does my fast break if I do this or that, you know? I had a question. Yeah. Um, what the question the brother had? That we go into Jannah with our body and our souls. Yeah, that's what I said. Okay. Yeah. I was, that's what I said. Yeah. But like, yeah. But like, what about in the cover just soul, right? Like. That's a that's a whole other thing, man. Your body's there, and then there's a there's a alam. There is actually a realm. It's called Barzakh. You ever heard of Barzakh before? Yeah. It's kind of like, uh, kind of like a sneak peek of what you're gonna get, right? It's kind of like when the Barzakh is such a place that a person, when he if he's destined for the fire Jahannam, he's going to see stuff like that too, right? He's gonna see what's the fire Jahannam. Allah's gonna open up a window of Jahannam for him. Allah forbid, right? And for people for the Jannah, you're gonna see what you're gonna get in Jannah, inshallah, right? So that's that's what the Barzakh is, yeah. In the there, like, aren't the people who Aren't they waiting for their loved ones? If they're in, like destined for Jannah and they see they have a preview of Jannah, I heard that they that they're waiting for their loved ones to come there too. Hmm? Like, yeah. Hmm. yeah, that's a good question, inshallah. I don't know the answer, but uh, I'm pretty sure that's is correct. But I'm gonna look for it, inshallah. I'm gonna give uh, that to you. <coughs> regarding the question I had, like okay, that that one's answered, but like it's still like a little bit more. And the cover I heard like. This Prophet and he narrated Hadith on Sahih Bukhari said the grave it's either a pit from pits of hellfire or either a garden yeah. from the gardens of Jannah. And also there's another Hadith, I think it was a Tirmidhi or Sahih Bukhari. Uh, the Prophet and he's, the two angels took him and they showed him different adabs, like punishments of the grave. He would go through one and they would, he would ask, What is, like, who is this? He would say, they would say, Go on, go on, etc. The the most agreed upon adabs that are that I learned right or like a man's head being crushed 
this stone due to. I need you to bring me this reference, man. I got you. I got you. I have it. Yeah. Yeah. Hey, I'll get it for Find it and sell it after that. But it's good. But yeah. So basically, but when a person is in the qabr, though, like it, it's, it, he's considered in the alam al barzakh. Right? Basically, that now you, you kind of kind of see what you're getting yourself into. Right? Inshallah. So now, he says on refraining from disobedience. So we're just going to start off with just the. Um, just the introduction of this part. All right. You guys know how I feel about introductions. It's very, very important. Right? 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 That on refraining from disobedience, understand very well, know that this religion is made of two parts. This deen is made of two parts. The first of which is leaving out sinning of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, leaving out sinning against Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. والآخر, in the other one, فعل الطاعات, which means that uh, in, in performing acts of obedience. وترك المناهي هو الأشد. But the first part is more important and more serious, right? The, why is it more important and more serious? Because now we're we're literally putting ourselves in a place where we don't want to be, right? We're disobeying Allah Subhanahu wa Taala. Right, so that's what he's saying here. That that's why the first one, which is refraining from any type of sinning, is more important than you. Actually, what's it called? Um, following the commands of Allah. That comes first. And make sure that you stop sinning before you want to go ahead and obey Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Right? That, is a, that is a precondition, prerequisite. So he says, or, kullu ahad. Everybody's capable of doing good actions, right? Every single person is able to good, do good actions, right? I can go give sadaqah, I can go give zakat, I can go do this, I'll go pray my action, I'll pray taraweeh. And we can see it in the month of Ramadan. Even the people who are far away from Islam, we can see that everybody's good, uh, good and they're, good, uh, they're able to do good actions. Right? Every single person, no matter who it is, the person who's furthest away from Islam, they'll be able to do something good in the month of Ramadan. But, Right, he says here that, but only the truly sincere can abandon their appetites and desires. Only the truly sincere people, they're able to abandon their, their desires. And that is very, very hard to abandon your desires of your nafs, right? Your carnal desires. I told you guys about the nafs a little bit, right? How our carnal desires and shaitan and the nafs works together, right? Trying to, to fulfill Shaitan's promise to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, which was what? I'm going to misguide all of them together. Right? So that's what our nafs is trying to focus on. To get us away from Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Right? That's the nafs al-amara. What is that? What is that? Remember nafs al-amara we talked about it? Yeah. Exactly. That's always inclining towards evil. And then he says, وَلِذَٰلِكَ قَالَ رَسُولُ اللَّهِ صَلَّى اللَّهِ عَلَيْهِ الْمُهَاجِرُ مَنْ هَاجِرَ السُّوءُ The true immigrant, the one who makes migration, is the one who abandons evil. And the true warrior is the one who fights his passions. SubhanAllah. I'm going to say that one more time so you guys can understand. The true immigrant is the one who abandons evil. He gets away from evil. Remember we talked about the guy who killed 100 people? He's uh, abandoning that sin of his. And he says, uh, And the true warrior is the one who fights his passions. You know, some of the Sahaba, they went through so, so much. We have no idea. To see it for ourselves, if we were put in this situation, our nafs would get the best of us. We know, uh, who knows about Ammar ibn Yasir? Anybody know about Ammar ibn Yasir? Yeah. Right? We know about the surah in uh, Surah Al-Ankabut. How, how does it start off? Alif Lamim? Hasib al-Nasu. Hasib Do the people really think, right, that they're going to be left to say, Amanna, that we believe in Allah, wa hum la yuftanun, and they're not going to be tested? And Allah says, وَلَقَدْ فَتَنَّ الَّذِينَ مِنْ قَبْلِهِمْ That surely, 
We test the people before, before them. Allah knows very well who is truly sincere to their iman. Right? And Allah knows who is truly amongst those who lie. Yeah. Can you repeat the hadith? Yeah. Uh, you want the Arabic part of it or both? English. Okay, English. Who, uh, the true immigrant is the one who abandons evil. And the true warrior is the one who fights his passions. Right. Is that from Al-Ali or is that a hadith? This is uh, the Mustadrak of Imam Hakim Right? Mm-hmm. So you know what Mustadrak of Imam Hakim You guys know something about Mustadrak of Imam Hakim? A saying of his? Huh? saying of his or something? You guys know who he is? Imam Hakim So you see this is very This is something to understand very well For everybody here There is a treasure trove of a hadith Right? There is Bukhari and there is Muslim Yes but there are b- books that are of the level of Bukhari and Muslim. You guys will learn this, inshallah, when you learn the principles of a hadith. You know, a lot of people, what happens is when they, want to, when they first start learning, you want the good stuff right away. You want, to be, you want the hadith, you want the Quranic ayat, you want the tafsir, you want all these things. Wow. Habibi, learn the Arabic first, right? The most important thing, learn the Arabic behind the hadith and, Arab, and the Quran. Then inshallah, once you start to build up that knowledge, then you will get there. Well, you learn the different, different usuls and principles of a hadith in usuls of fiqh and faqaha in understanding the religion of Allah. That's the, first most, that's the most important thing you can do for yourself. As a student of knowledge, start learning Arabic. And don't learn Arabic by yourself. Don't ever be self-taught. The self-taught people are the, are the people who cause the most corruption. Don't ever self-teach yourself. If you have somebody who you go to, go to them and seek the knowledge for that. Right? And remember very carefully, remember who you take your religion from is very important as well. So as a student of knowledge, learn the Arabic first. That's the most important thing, right? Because we, once, once we like, like we mentioned Sahih Bukhari, Sahih Muslim, we get excited. Oh my God, Sahih Bukhari, Sahih Muslim. Like, oh my God. You know, or Jami' or Tirmidhi. Or, there's more books. There's Sahih ibn Hibban. There's Mustadrak of Imam Hakim. There's you know, Sahih ibn Khuzayma. There's, there's so, many, so many other books I can go on and on about. Right? So what is the Mustadrak of Imam Hakim? I want to say, so what he, did, what he did was, those ahadith were, which were in conformity with the shara'it and the conditions of Imam Bukhari and Imam Muslim to an accepted hadith, he took those ahadith which they didn't mention and he put it in his book. He put it in his book, which is the code known as the Mustadrak. It's actually known as Mustadrak al-Sahihain. Right? Mustadrak al-Sahihain. So we should know that, that Imam Hakim, what did he do? He compiled those ahadith which Imam Bukhari and Imam Muslim did not mention in their books on their conditions. Because there are conditions for Imam Bukhari and Imam Muslim for them to accept ahadith. And he put it in his book. So that's what he's saying here. That's, that's the person who narrated the uh, who mentioned the hadith here. But it's from Rasulullah Sallallahu who's saying, right? Yeah, so he says here, yeah, so that, that, getting back to what I was saying earlier, it's really easy, uh, uh, sorry, so Ahmad ibn Yasser, getting back to that ayah of the Holy Quran. So uh, surely we're going to, te- we tested the people before them, we know who the people, we know truly who the people are when it comes to their iman, we know, who the, people, we know the people who are lying. In Ahmad ibn Yasser, subhanAllah, his story is so sad. And one time, Ahmad uh, ibn Yasir, when he accepted Islam, they, um, they captured him and his mother. His mother's name was Sumayyah, I believe. Right? And what happens is, they tied up Ahmad ibn Yasir and they tied up their mother. And now they're telling the mother of Ahmad ibn Yasir to, you know, get away from Islam, right? That don't say, don't say you're not a Muslim. You're not a Muslim anymore. Say it, say it. No, no we're not going to accept this. And Ahmad ibn Yasir is saying, no, just say it, it's okay, just say it, just say it. And what happened? What did they do? She, not, she did not budge. She did not, you know, she did not take it. She stayed steadfast upon, upon her Islam. And what happened? They took a spear and pierced it through her private part. And she died. Imagine, you as a son, if something like that were to happen in front of you, 
when you're accepting Islam, when you're holding, when you are literally, uh, because of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, we are st- staying steadfast upon our religion. Imagine this happening. And Ahmad ibn Yasa, what did he do? He still stayed a Muslim. So this, these ayats were revealed. That look, we're going to test the Muslimin. There's going to be tests in life. Yeah, what's up? It was the first sh- uh, shaheed in Islam. Sumayya radiallahu anha. First woman well, shaheed in Islam. Yes, first woman that was, became a shaheed in Islam was Sumayya radiallahu anha. First woman right? or first like Muslim? I think uh, I think it was no, first, woman, first, first woman, first woman, right? Yeah, first woman. Yeah, first woman in Islam. I forget the first first shaheed. Uh, Wasn't it? I don't remember off the top of my head. But inshallah, if I do remember, I'll tell you. But yes, she was. And this Subhanallah, this is what the Sahaba radiallahu had to go through. Bilal radiallahu, we know about him. He was whipped to the streets. People uh, just to say, to renounce your religion. That you're not a Muslim anymore. That his his slave master. You used to put him on the hot sand of Mecca. Those who have been to Mecca and you guys just recently came back from Umrah. It's so hot over there. They put him on his back on the sand. You know, surface temperature is a lot hotter than regular temperature we feel in the, in the air, by the way. Right? Imagine surface temperature in Mecca could be between 140 and 145 degrees. Right? Fahrenheit. Now he's putting the back of Bilal this on this burning sand. And not only on top of that, putting a boulder and a big rock on his chest to have him renounce his religion. And what is he, what is he continuing saying? Ahad. Ahad, Allah is one, Allah is one. This is steadfastness upon our religion. Right? This is something that we have to build our religion and our iman up to this level of the Sahaba Even though it will never be up to their level, that we're not even compared to the dust of their feet, but at least we can try and aspire to be like these people. And we're not living in times of like this where we're being stoned and whipped because of our religion. We're not, we're not living in these times. Right? Alhamdulillah, we are able to practice our religion freely. But obviously when you're given something, the only time you're going to cherish it is when it's being taken away from you. That's the only other time, right? And we're not going to truly understand this when, when Dajjal comes. When Dajjal comes, the hadith mentions that the Muslims are going to be in such a time that the, 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 the holding on to your iman at that time is going to be holding on to like a coal of fire, holding on to a burning coal. It's going to be so difficult for the people and the believers, right? But this is how we need to build our level in our iman. Right, inshallah. And then he said, "When mujahidu man jahad hawa." And a true warrior is one who fights his passions. You can, you can, we can fight anybody. We can think we're the biggest person in the world, right? We can, we can do whatever we want, right? Become a boxer, UFC, but all that. But if you cannot fight your passions, you're the weakest person. If you cannot fight your passions, if you are unable to hold yourself back from falling into temptations and disobeying Allah, you're such a weak person. And we are all weak people at the end of the day. If we are unable to do so. So this is the, the, the lesson that Rasulullah is trying to teach us. That look, you want to become a true warrior, fight against your passions. That's, the big, that's our biggest enemy. You know, the biggest misconception we have is that we think shaitan is our biggest enemy. Shaitan is our enemy, right? We know that. Shaitan is a clear enemy to the, believer, uh, to the believers. But the enemy that we, are, you know, we tend to ignore all the time is our nafs, our passions. To start focusing on fixing your nafs, that put a foot on your nafs, that we do not let our nafs go haywire. This is why we're sitting in these classes, and this is why Imam Ghazali and the Prophet is telling us all these beautiful things. It's that, look, suppress your nafs, because this is something that even the most pious person can fall into. You guys know, and I'm going to end up with this beautiful story here. You guys know about the famous monk? His name is Barsisa. You guys heard about this story? Yeah, yeah. All right. Raise your hand if you heard about this story before. Barsisa. Right, so I'm just gonna make it very brief, inshallah. This person was a very, very pious monk, a very pious monk. And what happened was, there was three brothers that, that came to him, and they had a sister. And they were like, you know what? You know, you're the most pious person. Mind you, this this monk worshipped Allah for 60 years consecutively. Right, we can't even worship Allah for 60 minutes consecutively. Right, this guy for 60 years 
he's worshipping Allah. He's, what is a monk? Someone who completely gives his life up, right? For ibadah, or you know, the Buddhist monks, whatever they want to do, right? But that's what, their, that's what their intention is, to give up their life for Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Now, these three brothers come, and they're like, you know what, we have our sister here, we want to go fight in the path of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, right? But we have a sister. And we, don't wanna, we can't trust anybody else except you. So please, can you watch our sister? And now he's like, you know what, I can't do that. Because I don't want to put myself in a situation that I don't, I don't want to be in. I, I don't want to put myself in a situation where na'udhu billah I can commit a sin. So he's like, I'm sorry, I cannot watch after your sister. Now shaitan starts to play his games. Shaitan is not stupid, right? Shaitan knows. He's been doing this for thousands and thousands and thousands of years. And so he's like, okay, you know what? He starts to do his waswasa. He dude, you know, if she is given to the wrong people, they might take advantage of her. So what you do is, you just tell them that, you know, come back here and we'll give, I'll give her a room in my monastery. It'll be good, inshallah. So they call, he calls her brothers back and he said, look, I'm going to give her a room in my monastery. I'm not going to talk to her. I'm not going to do anything. I'll just probably just drop food off at her door and that's it. And now what happens is, this happens for a while, like a month or two. And now Shaitan starts to play his games again. And he's like, listen, man, that sister, she's probably so bored by herself. She's probably sick or something. Go see what's up with her. You know what? Instead of dropping the food off at her door, go drop it off inside so she can have some human interaction. So he starts to do that. He's like, okay, fine, I'll do that now. He starts to put the food inside the, the, the house. And now Shaitan's like, you know what? You should check up on her, right? See how she's doing. She might, you know, be lonely. Her brother out in the, in the fight, fighting the path of Allah. They might have died. She might have nobody. You should probably go ask her how she's doing, right? And then Balsi's like, you know what? Okay, fine, I can do that. I won't do anything more than that. That's it. It's drawing the line, right? But that's what happens when you give into your temptations. It just keeps on going. It never stops there, right? We always think that, oh, okay, I'll just do one thing, inshallah, I'm not, not going to do it again. No, that's just the beginning. That's relying to ourselves. That's the beginning of what we're going to keep on doing and make it worse and worse and worse. Now he says, and okay, Shaitan is saying, you know what? Maybe you should have a conversation with her. Just have a conversation with her, right? No, no, no harm in that, right? No harm in that whatsoever. And then Shaitan plays his games even more. He's like, you know what? You should, you should try to spend the night there. Spend the night there so, you know, she's not alone. And she's been alone for so long to spend the night there. Bottom line is they end up committing zina. They end up committing adultery, zina, right? And what happens there? And you know, actually, I want to mention something, another point. If anybody here thinks that men and women can be friends, you're lying to yourself. Men and women cannot be friends. It doesn't make sense because one, or one, one party is going to have feelings, one or the other. It's not like, oh, she's my friend, right? What happens, what, hap what happens when that friend of yours has a problem with her mans? It's like, oh, you know, like, this is what's going on with me. He's doing this, he's doing that. And then you obviously trying to be like, you know, now Shaitan starts to play his game with us. Like, oh, now it's my chance, right? I'm going to make sure I console her. Right? So always be mindful. Now she, he commits zina with her, and now she ends up pregnant. Right? And now, Shaitan, now he's freaking out. He's like, man, I got this girl pregnant. Right? And now what happens? Shaitan starts to play again. Listen, man, you need, to, you need to kill the baby. Right? You need to kill this baby. Otherwise, your brother's going to find out what you did. So he does, you know what he does? He goes and kills the baby. And now he says, you know what? Goes again. He's like, you know, her mother is not, the mother's never going to keep quiet about this. You killed her child. Right? So you know what you should do in order to get rid of this problem? You kill her and tell the brothers when they come back that she died of some sickness. So he does that. He kills the mother and the baby. SubhanAllah, you see where your nafs can lead you to? It starts out with something small. Here it starts out with what? Dropping food off at the front door? And now, where has it gone to? This guy has already killed two people. Now, now his, the brothers come back. So look how Shaitan deceives you. Right? His, her brothers come back and he tells, her what, he tells them what happened. Like, oh, you know, your sister got sick. 
she passed away and you know so on and so forth. Now the brothers are camping a little bit out of town, and Shaitan comes to these brothers inside the inside their dream and tells them what they did. It tells them what tells them what what the guy did, what the monk did. Shaitan himself, the guy who was on his side before, now comes to these brothers and look. This is what this is what he did. And now the brothers all have the same dream. They wake up and look. This is what the dream I had. And they're like, dude, we all had the same dream. And they go back to that monk and they're like, is this what you did? And then he admits, like, yes, this is what I did. And now the capital punishment time, because at that time, capital punishment was a thing. You had to get, you had to die in front of everybody. Now Shaitan, he still, he's still playing his games. So listen, man, I can get you out of this. Right, right before he's about to die, I can get you out of this. All you have to do is just submit to me. Right, submit to me. Right? And he says, okay. And now as soon as he says that, Shaitan disappears and guess who shows up? The malaika, the, the malaika of death. The angel of death pulls up. And that's it. He dies as a disbeliever. Subhanallah. He dies as a disbeliever. This guy who worshiped Allah for 60 years consecutively. Can we say the same? Can we say that we worship? We're not even 60 years old, man. We're like 20. In our 20s. Right? And how much time do we take out to worship Allah on a daily basis? This guy for 60 years, his life's goal is to worship Allah. And he has committed such an act like this. So where, where, did, where does that leave us? Right? Where does that leave us from falling into something like that? So when you know in your heart you feel something wrong, stop and think about it right away. But no, I don't, I, I don't want to act upon this, right? I don't want to act upon this. If you feel like you're alone and you have a problem when you're by yourself and you know, what's it called? You have a continuous a bad habit of doing something when you're alone, surround yourself with people. Don't ever be by yourself. Try to be around people as much as you can. Even if it's going to piss them off, like, oh, you're just hanging out with me right now. I right, just come, come over. Even if they don't want to, but it's for your own sake. Right? It's inshallah enough for this. Jazakallah khairum akhru da'wa alhamdulillah Any questions inshallah? Well, if a person, if you think that you're going to commit a sin in a concealed way when you're by yourself, like I said, surround yourself. Go to Starbucks, work there, right? Go to Panera. That these, these, these places, alhamdulillah, you know, what's the, even though whatever, they're run by non-Muslims, it's a benefit for us in the sense that we go there and we can work there in an open environment where we cannot fall, if we have that fear for ourselves, right? If you have that fear, some people, they just like to sleep when they're working, right? Just move their mouths a little bit and go back to sleep, <laughs> right? But some people, they have that, that, I want to watch Netflix, and then from Netflix, you maybe come to something else, and then HBO, and we know it's on HBO, right? Game of Thrones, right? Stay away from that. <laughs> uh, and then, you know, all the different types of things, and it leads a person down that route. So if you feel yourself that you're having a tough time, right? We're working at home, right? Find another place to work. Because you said men are not used to working at home. They want to go out and work. But it's not like you're safe outside either. It's not like you said, you have to check your intention, right? Am I going to Starbucks because the girl is cute at the front, at the front desk, right? Is that, is that your intention? So always renew your intention and check it. Like, why am I going from home out of my comfort in my house to go to Starbucks, specifically this Starbucks, right, to go and do my work? Or Panera or Chipotle, whatever it may be, right? So that's, that's something we need to be mindful of, inshallah. Regarding the birthdays, like, I think one of his first mistakes is his ego. He's like, I'm better than other people, and mm. that's why she should stay with me. Yeah, you remember, yeah, remember how we talked about one of those Talibul Ilm? The, the, the last type, where he thinks 
that he's has a he has a, what's it called a connection with Allah, and he thinks that this is what that's the way that what he said beautifully, right? That can lead you to that as well. That you know he thinks that he's better than everybody. Allah will put you down, right? Would that also be considered like like a enough, like having that ego? Sorry, what? Would that also be considered like having like a desire, like having that ego? Enough? Well, your ego is in your desire two different things. Your ego makes you think that you're you're somebody, right? It makes you it makes you like you know make this haughty person, right? It's just like, you know, I, I know everything and you know what's it called. It's just, it's just like you're, it's kind of shaitan feeding you to tell, trying to tell you you're better than everybody else. Your desires are different. Right? They, they do relate together though. They do, they, do, they do come in together where your desires kind of push you towards that too. Because remember I told you, shaitan and your nafs work together, right? So they can lead you to making that, that mistake that where you think you're somebody else. All right, what's up? Uh, what, <clears throat> one benefit I picked up from the story is that it shows you iman is not in your hands. It could be you could be worshiping Allah for a certain amount of years, but mm-hmm. you don't know if you're gonna die upon it. Mm-hmm. So there's two duas that I know that we know that it helps our iman. Mm-hmm. That you should be always making this because your iman is not. You yeah. can't confirm it for yourself that you're gonna die upon it. Exactly. And Allah You know, asking for yeah, a good ending. Very good ending. Because you have no like, yeah, we could be worshiping Allah. We're going to classes. But you don't know if you're going to be yeah, exactly. so, dying yeah. upon that. Brother mentioned very beautifully, inshallah. So like I said, the best way to ask is to ask Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. You can, inti- you can recheck your intention over and over again. But until you're, who are we rechecking it with? Are we checking it with ourselves or Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala? Like, ya Allah, what is truly my intention, right? As you said, Thabit qalbi ala deenik. Oh Allah, establish and, you know, establish my heart upon your deen, right? And then that very famous dua we talked about. Who memorized that dua, by the way? Allahumma inni a'udhu bika min ilmin la yinfa' Right? Oh Allah, I, I seek refuge in you from ilm that does not benefit and from a heart that does not fear and from a dua that is not heard by you, O oh Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Right? So keep these duas in your mind. Is that dua in the text? It's in the text, okay. yes. Yeah. It's, 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 like it's in the muqaddimah, it's in the, okay. yeah, the introduction. I have a question about ego, like, like the brother was asking. Now let's say, you know, there's hadith. And I'm just curious because there's a hadith of the Prophet He said, so the one who has the most knowledge of the kitab should lead, right? Mm-hmm. So now if you're in an area and you know, like for example, you're not trying to even think of yourself how they're... And you yeah. know, if there's someone more knowledgeable, they lead. Mm-hmm. But now you're in a spot where you know there's brothers that don't have maybe as much as you or something. But you don't want to be... You, you don't want to have ego or anything, but we know the hadith. So what, what do you do in this situation? Yeah, so for that, it's a very good question, mashallah. For a person like that, let's say... Uh, actually, we just had this conversation this morning, yeah, yeah. Right, literally this morning. So, imagine if you're in a situation where like you're around people, and then you're the most knowledgeable when it comes to salah, but out of your humbleness, you are not leading the salah. That's not humbleness. That's just being stupid, right? Because now the first uncle's gonna go up there, and then he's gonna read his surah fatiha, like you know, walazalin, and all these other types of things, right? Alhamdulillah, with no tajweed, nothing whatsoever, and now the people's salah is going to be affected. Right? There are certain t- mistakes in tajweed that if you make them, it can break your salah. Right? Now, if you have this uncle go up and lead the salah, right? it is Allah, and it's not, it's not pride. It's something that Allah has given you. Right? You always be thankful for, the, to the, to, for that ni'mah that Allah has given you, the Holy Quran, whatever in your heart, and you're able to recite it properly. That's something you should be thankful for. And that you're not boasting, this is, like, this is a right upon you, that you have to do this. this is Allah's right upon you, that you go lead that salah, because other people's salah is going to be messed up. Right? And it's not, like I said, it's not about showing off. Because now if you don't lead the salah, you fall under the hadith of kitmal al-ilm, of hiding your knowledge. Right? Not to show off, but because the people are going to be misguided. This is scary. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. It's hard to balance. Uh, he was first, inshallah, and then after that. Yeah, what's up, man? 
Yeah, one question I had was the story you told of Versisa. So did he die in dis uh, disbelief or like shirk or the well, what happens, I mean, it's like, you know, if somebody is to like, you know, accept shaitan as their lord, that's yeah. complete, that's a mushrik, right? Yeah. That's, not, that's not even a mushrik, he's just like completely forgetting about Allah at this point, right? So, so. The reason I ask is because shirk is the one thing, even if you die on, you won't be forgiven, right? Die on for like even Prophet Muhammad Sallallahu I think he prayed, I think there's a hadith, I tried to pull it up, but I don't have an internet connection here, but, but he prays for his like mother, I think he tried to pray for his mother. But then Allah said he couldn't because No, his mother So at this So the thing is with the mother And the father Even though Islam was not a thing at the time But Tawheed was one was, was the thing yeah. Right? The oneness of Allah was one thing And the, the, the What's it called? The dua of Rasulullah uh, What's it called? Um, when it comes to Tawheed Because when the Prophet's not around When people have that They know that Allah is there Right? Even there's a, a lot of questions People comes up uh, This comes up a lot Then let's say somebody's in like The Amazon forest Like a tribe Somewhere so far deep That nobody has access to them if the person there recognizes that there is a Lord above me, right? His job is obviously to go seek that out. But if he can't, then because of that tawheed of his, that he knows that, that there is a God up there, right? Then that, that, will, inshallah, that will be sufficient for him, right? So in this case, the tawheed of, the, of Amin anha and Abdullah were both established. That they both had the oneness of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala in their heart. So because of that, like, you know. But they didn't believe in like idol worship and that No, because they didn't. Yeah. His whole family from Yeah, yeah. So because the thing is family. you can't have the seed of uh a shirk inside the family lineage of Prophet Sallallahu You look at the whole family lineage from the time of Ibrahim mm-hmm. to Rasulullah, you'll see that their whole family is pure people and it's it's it's, it's documented as well. Pure worshipping Allah, Allah the all tawheed. Yeah. So this is I'm talking about his direct, li- <coughs> sorry, oh, his direct lineage, gotcha, gotcha. direct, direct lineage, right? From loin to loin, right? Direct, direct lineage, gotcha. right? So that's, that's what it is, inshallah. Any other question about this? Uh, regarding the buzz question, because mm-hmm. I also heard the same thing and I found a hadith. It's narrated, uh, is it okay if I say it? Yeah, but it's yeah. hadith. It was narrated from the Prophet Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam and, and Sahih Muslim. And uh, a man came to him and he said, oh, oh, Messenger of Allah, where is my father? He said, in hell, and then when the man turned away, called him back, he said, My father and your father in hell. That's narrated in Muslim. Another hadith, with regards to his, uh, regards to his mother, uh, the Prophet uh, he said, I asked my Lord to, I asked my Lord for permission to pray for forgiveness from my mother. He did not give me permission, and I asked him for per- permission to visit her grave. He gave me permission, narrated by Mus- uh, Imam Muslim. Hmm. Okay, so there's actually a lot of explanation behind these two hadith. I, I recently did something about this. But inshallah, you know what? I'm going to bring the research paper for you tomorrow. Because what's it called? Obviously, this is very important. I want you guys to understand this. The bahir of the hadith, right? You have, there are some hadith you need to understand that require a lot more explanation than the bahir of it, right? And the, the outward appearance of the hadith, you can't just go open, like I said, opening up Bukhari and Muslim is good. But you're going to delude and you're going to misguide yourself, right? You're going to misguide yourself. So that everybody does each, uh, themselves a favor. When you go open Bukhari Muslim, make sure you learn it under a teacher first. Right? That's the most important thing. Right? Because like I said, I think it was Nabil. Remember, he, you came and asked, what was that question you asked me about? About how, uh, how Ali anhu, he burnt the atheist. Yes. Yeah. Right? So now that's, that's mentioned in Bukhari. So now if I go in Bukhari, and, and uh, if I don't know anything, and then Ali anhu burnt these atheists, like what? Islam t- t- teaches us to burn people? What? Right? So now what's going to happen then? So we're, when we open up Bukhari and Muslim and other ahadith books, and you know, without having any like, you know, uh, knowledge from before on how to interpret those ahadith, 
then we're gonna we're gonna get into trouble. All right, we're gonna fall. We're, we're gonna be we're deluding ourselves. So main thing, first thing, most thing is uh, the most important thing for us to do is to learn. What did I say? What's the first thing you guys should learn? Arabic. Arabic. All right. Arabic. Arabic. What about Quran? Quran? Oh, you can't so go to the. You memorize Quran first and then go to Arabic and then other. You can do it at the same time. Learn your Quran at the same time. Learn Arabic. But remember, don't go translate. Don't open up the Quran translation and be like, "Oh, Allah Subhanahu says, uh, kill a kafir as soon as you see them." So that's it. We have to do it, right? <laughs> no, obviously we can't do that. There's there's interpretations, and there are ulama are there for a reason to go and answer your questions like that, or study and learn this uh, this knowledge so you that you can get to that level to where you can you can uh, understand these ahadith, right? So that's very, very important. I'm not bashing you. Uh, no. Of course, I, just, I don't want you to feel like that, right? But I'm saying this is very important for anybody, right? Because even my, my students, when they came to Madrasa the first time, they were saying, oh, Bukhari says this, Muslim says like, You haven't even studied yeah, the yeah. basic, you know, Ajrumi'ah, uh, or you haven't studied your Alif Ba'at Ata, you're always talking about Muslim and Bukhari, right? So, right. Any other questions? I think you had a question, right? Yeah. So if someone came to the uh-huh. they wanted to meet someone who was in Jahannam, would they be able to? It's a good question, mashallah. So there's an ayah of the Holy Quran that talks about this, that says, what is the ayah? It's called Ashab Nari, Ashab Jannah. Is it Ankar Ahidna? No, no, no. When Ada Ashab Nari, Ashab Jannah, and the people of the fire will call upon the people that are in Jannah, and Afidu Alayna Min Al Ma'i O Min Ma'zo, that pour some water on us, right? Uh, from what Allah has given you, pour some water upon us. They'll say, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has made haram for you disbelievers. So that's one ayah that indicates that, yeah, you can. But honestly, personally, I don't think a person would want to even see something like that. right? Even, in, even at that time, even if you want to visit somebody. There is that hadith that, brother Umar, that Sheikh Umar mentioned, though, right? Yeah, you if you want to meet your friends. Right? Yeah, yeah, no, for you those people that, the, yeah, you can take them out to hellfires. Yeah. That, that's there as well. And right? Yeah, yeah. So there, there's another ayah as well, right? So that's so that's a very good question, mashallah. So there's a few answers there, alhamdulillah. So if you want to, yeah, you'll be able to see him. Wait, so but, question. You know, like, so if you're a hafid, uh, and obviously, like, you practice on it, and you know, you're you're allowed to take ten people out of the fire. That's like Jahannam has been like destined like, for. Yeah. So is this? They're already in Jahannam And then you're taking them out Or this is when Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala Is like This is their decree To go in Jahannam I mean they're like They're not in Jahannam right now okay. But they're destined to go Like you know Like okay, okay you, you got the stamp on your forehead It's a wrap You're going to Jahannam But Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala Has given the hafiz And for the scholars even It's way more than that Right Some ahadith mentioned Thousand Right Some mentioned Ten thousand There's a lot of different ahadith That indicate towards what, How many a scholar Would be able to take Right So this also gives you Another incentive Right To learn the deen of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala Become the, the generate the leaders of the next generations of this of this youth that is to come right because us as a generation we we are, can already see where the generation is going to right subhanallah so now it's our job right? it's our job to learn the sacred knowledge of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala and transfer it on to those the, the next generation because they're going to be inshallah i hope they're all here t- sitting here talking like us like we are but on, on the flip side if they're not then that's that's going to be a problem any other questions, inshallah? Any concerns? Any, uh... Right? Sounds good. So I think we'll conclude there, inshallah. Akhir da'awana, alhamdulillah, rabbil alameen.